Be part of the conversation. Join the Hope Forum in Athens, October 25th and 26th. The only event connecting stakeholders from the West and North of Europe with the Balkans and the Mediterranean. For more information, visit our website at ehealthforum.org. Join us in Athens this October. You're listening to Tech Talk Central. So this is Vicky Colovo from Tech for Tech Talk Central, and I'm here at eHealth Week, and um, we're going to talk with Petra Wilson. One of my favorite topics, which is obviously data and um, the the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation that the EU has already put into action. She will explain more into that. I know there's a lot of questions there. Uh, Petra Wilson is director of the Health Connect Partners, and she's also consulting with the FTI. So, first of all, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So, I'm I'm consulting with a an American consultancy company called FTI, based in Brussels, and also with Health Connect Partners. And I'm going to try and tell you a little bit about the general data protection regulation and what it might mean for you in the health and e-health particular business. So the first thing to say is the GDPR, as it's generally known, has been a long time in gestation. We've been waiting for this for five, six years, and we've been waiting for it actively for at least the last two years. So it's with us now. The text is final. It's not yet in force. We've got another two years until 2018 until it is actually in force. And that's great because it means it gives us two years to get our house in order, get everything lined up, and address the big issues that this means for healthcare. Broadly speaking, I think it's really positive for healthcare. It gives us an opportunity to spring clean, get things in order, get patients aligned, and really move ahead in making data work for us in healthcare, making e-health apps, solutions, and devices central to healthcare. But it will require some proper spring cleaning. And I think our spring cleaning should be featured around eight issues. So let me just quickly run you what, through what those eight issues would be. Now, obviously, what I'm doing to here is give you a very high-level overview, and it requires proper looking into it. Uh, you will need legal advice to make sure you've got everything properly sorted out. But uh, at least with this, you might know the right kind of questions to be asking yourself and to take to your lawyers. So the first thing to think about is what does the GDPR apply to in terms of healthcare? And the thing to notice here is that it has a very wide scope, that it addresses all data that reveals information about the past, present, or future physical or mental health of the individual. So that's really a huge amount, and we should be very conscious of that. We should also be conscious that it's not just about data that is captured within a doctor-patient relationship or within a traditional healthcare setting. So if we take data from a fitness app or something else like that, and we put it into a health environment, because it tells you something about my health, it is health data, and it means the heavier duties of privacy do apply to it. The next big issue is informed consent, and this has been talked about loads and loads, and of course it goes right back to the Greek traditions and the Hippocratic Oath. Privacy is a core part of doing healthcare properly, because if we don't have the trust, and we don't have a trust relationship between the doctor and the patient, we're not going to get anywhere. 
A big part of privacy is proper informed consent. What does that mean? Well, the new regulation does make it easier for us to understand. It says that data consent must be freely given, specific, informed, unambiguous, and it must be given by an affirmative action. Now, a lot of people cause a lot of drama and say all consent must be written. It doesn't have to be written, but it has to be given by affirmative action. So that means you can't just assume that because a patient has turned up and asked for your advice, that they are giving affirmative um, action to collecting the data. What exactly this means, we'll have to work out through case law. So if I'm a doctor and I ask a patient to take the blood, their blood pressure and the patient rolls up his or her sleeve, I can assume that they've consented to me taking the blood pressure. Does that mean they've also consented to me sharing the data of that blood pressure? My guidance would be probably not. Make sure that the patient actually knows what data you're collecting and what you intend to do with it. Uh, the next big area to think about is the right to be forgotten. Now, this is the area where, which an awful lot of fear has been mongered, and there was a lot of scare at the beginning that the right to be forgotten would put an end to all clinical trials, that patients could just demand that their uh, data would be given back to them and they could scupper trials. That's not going to happen because the right to be forgotten is applied differently in the healthcare setting. So if it is directly within, the data is directly within a healthcare relationship or within a clinical trial, the right to be forgotten does not apply per se. But we always have to remember that when we're talking about data in a bigger context, for example, data collected from apps or devices which are in an ordinary setting, there we may be subject to the right to be forgotten and the patient might exercise that right to have the data removed. Moving on to a different area now, so those are sort of the big rights around, uh, big issues around patients' rights. What about what this means for day-to-day -day practice of healthcare? First thing to think about here is the fact that the new law will require a thorough privacy impact assessment, known as a PIA, to, to, be, to be undertaken in any setting where data, and of course in this case healthcare data, are collected and stored. And this means that you make sure that you've got your proper consent systems in place, that you've got privacy by design, and that your systems are set up for staff to really understand what their privacy duties are. And one word of warning here, there is no uh, provision for what's known as grandfathering in the law. Grandfathering means when you take a, a consent that was given under a previous legal regime and you take it forward into the next one. That doesn't exist under this. So you have to make sure that your consent systems are up to speed. And if they're not, you need to seek new consent. So that's an important one to remember. Uh, the next area is around profiling. For day-to-day -day medical practice, this may not be so important, but it's very, very important for the people in the medical device community. And of course, a lot of e-health is around medical devices. The power of medical devices and apps is in the profiles that they can create by bringing together disparate data about what you do, where you do it. So for example, what you eat, how much exercise you take, at what time of day you eat something. Uh, say for example, if you have diabetes, what you've eaten before and what that means about your insulin dosage and so forth. Um, 
this type of profiling is an area where we have to be very careful with data processing and privacy because it amounts to what's known as automated processing of personal data. And here again, we have to make very sure that we have the correct systems in place. And again, don't assume that because they complied with previous law, they will apply now. It means, for example, again, looking at the informed consent of the data subject. It means um, ex making sure that you have explicit consent if you're going to take something outside the healthcare domain. And it means that you have implemented suitable safeguards um, so that there can be a human intervention if necessary. The next area that is of big interest to everybody is data portability. And now here we're at the European eHealth Week where a lot of the focus is around cross-border healthcare. Cross-border healthcare can't happen without data portability. And so what do we mean by data portability within the general direct uh, the regulation. It doesn't mean portability in terms of standards of uh, porting data between one entity and another. It means the right of the patient to access their data in a way that they can understand, use and port, transmit to another person. Um, this means, for example, that if a patient wants the data from their pacemaker or from some other device that they may be using, that it must be that you, the doctor, must be able to give it to them in a way that they can understand and in a way that they can then share with somebody else. Um, it doesn't mean that it has to be automatically available, but it does mean that you have to build the systems in such a way that you could extract the data if that were asked for. On the more technical side, the uh, general data protection regulation uh, talks a lot about security, it talks about having appropriate measures which will include pseudonymization, encryption, um, re redundancy systems, data redundancy systems, and it requires that if you are the data controller, you have regular assessments to make sure that your systems are up to speed and meeting all those rules. So that might mean that you want to institute a monthly, six-monthly or yearly um, evaluation of your system. How often you do it will depend on the kind of data that you process and the volumes of data that you process. It will also mean that you sh would have to be able to uh, notify the competent authority if there has been a data breach within less than 72 hours of you becoming aware of the breach. And that's a, a heavy duty. If you don't have the systems in place that means you can do that, you will fall foul of the law. Mm -hmm. And I've nearly reached the end of this rather, uh, could some people could say rather boring stuff because it is, we want to get on and cure patients. We don't want to deal with all this boring stuff. But the problem is if we don't deal with this boring stuff, A, we won't be able to treat patients as well as we could. And secondly, we might fall fall foul of the law, which will cost time, money, and it will breach that all important trust that I spoke about before. So the last point that I want to say, again, given that we're here at the eHealth Week, where we've also talked about uh, EU-US data sharing and transactions, uh, it's the only part of the regulation which I would say there is still some debate about, which is the extent to which the US Privacy Shield will meet the requirements of the regulation. That is something that is still under debate and still under discussion. Uh, as a word of caution, I would simply say that, uh, that good good privacy rules in place in both 
Europe and the United States will find a way to meet the demands of the law. Whether it's the current privacy shield or not is another question. Um, with that, I've given you a very quick overview, and please note my earlier comment that this isn't, um, this isn't a cure-all. You would need to look deeply into it to be sure that you really understand it all. Thank you. Okay, you're not going away yet, but um, thank you for the overview. It was very comprehensive, I find it. Um, but it, it's also very complicated as to who's going to enforce all this. So um, let's say you're a clinic um, and collecting data from your customers, from your patients. And uh, I can understand bigger organizations having um, somebody from the law inside the company in the organization. But what about these small doctors? How, how do they go about being within the boundaries of the law? Okay, well, um, certainly for big corporations, you will be required to have somebody in-house who is, uh, carries the legal title data, data controller the data controller has a responsibility to make sure that all the data processors follow the law. In some ways, this can be done very simply because you just simply ensure that within the contracts of employment, people know what their duties are. So if there is a duty of confidentiality, say if you've got a uh, medical um, personal assistant secretary uh, who is seeing medical data that that person is aware that they have a duty of confidentiality and that within their employment contract there is a possibility to dismiss that person for breach of such confidentiality. So that's sort of one easy practical way of doing it. The nitty-gritty of making sure that your systems are up to date. If you're in a very small practice, say you're in a two or three doctor practice and you're working together my guess is that you will have to in, you will have to buy in some security assessment to make sure that your systems are up to speed, up to date, and also buy in some training to make sure that you know how to comply. Um, and certainly, if you're working within a big hospital, uh, there will be a requirement to have that data controller uh, with all the required legal training. Just as a note of caution, even if you're just a one-person practice, you will be the data controller and the buck will stop with you. So it is your duty to make sure that you know what you're doing. Um, it's getting even more complicated in my head because I was thinking you're a doctor, you buy the software that you need, but let's say the developers that created the software didn't comply with all the needs and you had no idea. I recently, uh, I remember last year there was a case where the NHS was um, from um, from the UK was actually um, suggesting applications that were transferring data without security and they probably didn't even look into that. I know they put the list down as soon as it came out but that is something really serious and I'm not sure how they're going to deal with it. Is the, do you believe that the EU is planning um, awareness projects? How are they going to inform the developers, the software companies? I, okay, I can understand that software houses, big ones, are going to comply. They're going to, they have the people to learn. But what about small developers, small places, small startups? Um, is there going to be an awareness um, um, campaign around the new uh, laws? That's a very complex question with lots of bits of answers. I think the first thing to say is that there is going to be some uh, difference around um, how uh, it, it, it depends a lot on where you are in the chain. So let's take it first of all from the patient's perspective. The patient is in most legal systems going to proceed against 
their perception of where the data breach happens. So if it's with the doctor, I will sue my doctor and I will be entitled to sue my doctor because I'm entitled to require that my doctor keeps my data confidential. If my doctor then in turn says, but it wasn't my fault, it was uh, because the software wasn't up to scratch, then I as the doctor can sue the software manufacturer. Now this is when something's gone wrong, and obviously we want to avoid things going wrong, and we don't want to talk about situations in which somebody can sue somebody else. So the way in which this is moving ahead is with security certification of products. So uh, there, are, there are obviously already standards, security standards at, at European level, CEN standards. And what will become important is that when, if you're a big organization using public procurement methods, or if you're a small organization just buying something for your organization, that you know what those standards are and that you can require that the product that you buy meets those. Now, we're used to doing that in other sectors. We know, for example, uh, something very simple. Most of us know that sunglasses that don't bear the CE mark might not protect our eyes adequately against certain rays. We might choose to buy those glasses anyway because it's our eyes we're affecting. But we, most of us now know that these sort of security standards exist. And it will be the same in this sort of software. There may be products on the market that don't meet the standards. As a consumer of the software, as a buyer, as a hospital or a doctor, it is our duty to know what those standards are mm -hmm. and to only buy things with those standards. And on that side, the European Commission, I believe, will be having a lot more awareness raising about those standards and making sure that the uh, procurers understand what it is they should be requiring within their calls for tender. I think there's also tight collaboration between the people responsible for the code of conduct when it comes to mHealth applications and the people creating um, um, the law around it. So hopefully um, they're doing quite a good work around awareness themselves, so they probably will um, bring attention to that. Um, according to your own experience, do you believe that the uh, GDPR, the way it's formulated, is enough do you, how do you see it? You know, is it, is it the best we could do or is it something that will keep on changing in the future and probably adapting to, to needs? Um, well, I was one of the people that did uh, try to push for a specific health data piece of legislation. The problem with the GDPR is that it is, as the title says, a general data protection regulation. So it covers all sorts of data. Um, there are sections, articles in it that deal specifically with health data. Um, we will learn more about what that means as case law emerges and as good practice emerges. Personally, I still think it would have been good to have a specific health data uh, law. On the other hand, the European Commission has a uh, commitment to producing as uh, only as much legislation as is required. And so it's quite understandable that they decided not to have specific health-related uh, data protection because one could easily argue that there are other sectors that should also have it, for example, the finance sector. Um, so it's not perfect, but it's, it's a good start. Okay, so my last question would be around possible conflicts between collaborations between European countries and the US or Asia. I sort of didn't really understand what or 
or don't know what possible problems could arise. Do you have anything in, in mind? Do you see any hurdles that we will have to um, succumb in order to do business with them or exchange data? Are the companies I was while you were talking about, I was wondering what are all those systems, the Apple healthcare system, the Google or whatever, all those big giants who are strong lobbyists also. Um, is it will we be able to have a, a good market between um, Europe and the States when it comes to GDPR? I'm sure there will be some teething issues, but I also am sure that we will get there because uh, health doesn't know borders. Um, and particularly if we think, for example, about something like rare diseases, where one country doesn't have a significant number of cases enough for the doctors to be really knowledgeable and experienced in disease, we have to do healthcare across borders. And the, as again, disease doesn't mind whether it's a European border or a or an um, European US border or a European India border. So I think we will find ways around it. Um, it will be important to keep the data safe, um, but I'm convinced that with the basis of this legislation, we will get there. It will mean that some of the practices that we have already with um, the privacy shield and with the safe harbor principle will have to be looked at again but I'm convinced that we will find a way of doing it because to repeat myself again health doesn't know any borders disease doesn't know any borders so we will have to solve the issues bottom line is it's good it's in place right now from what you told me that every government all the member states will have to uh, comply this regulation and if they don't within the two years they will just have to accept it so that's actually good considering that there are member states that are less i don't know more slow compared to others so that's that's promising for us as uh, residents citizens of the european union so i think this was one of the most comprehensive interviews i've done i actually learned on the spot a lot of things so thank you for being with us petra thank you very much it was a great pleasure and I hope I see you in Athens in the eHealth Forum, by the way. So that was Petra Wilson, and um, she has now her own company. She also does a lot of consulting. And I'll tell you what, she's an amazing speaker. I've heard her, and I think it will all have an opportunity to see you more, more of you. So this was Vicky Colavu for Tech Talk Central. Uh, bye for now. You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Be part of the conversation. Join the Health Forum in Athens, October 25th and 26th. The only event connecting stakeholders from the West and North of Europe with the Balkans and the Mediterranean. For more information, visit our website at ehealthforum.org. Join us in Athens this October.